And welcome to another episode of PBO Podcast Politics and Brown Liquor. Evander Vliet here, of course, with my trusted canine co-host, Woody Woody. How you doing? Wolf. Now, it is casual day here at the PBL studio, so uh, I'm here to hand T-shirt and Woody. Well, Woody, he's got his, his holiday tie on. He is a very festive dog. He's ready for Christmas. Yeah, I know, I know. Thanksgiving he enjoys because the table scraps, but if you watch the video, he's got his Christmas tie on, so Woody is all set. He actually, go on, Woody, you got to be the arms, arms dogsman of the show, so he's got to go do his duty. So Woody, Woody loves holidays. Ben Wanner's Christmas time for quite a few days. Anyway, welcome to this episode of the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. It's just getting sillier and sillier. So we're going to do an election update. Uh, I'm going to get into what, what does a Biden presidency look like? As And, you know, there's also a story I'm going to share with you, how the media uh, is doing exactly what they, uh, what they do to convince people uh, what they should think. I've got a really good story uh, from PJ Media I'm going to share with you later. And, of course, Black Lives Matters. You know, now that it looks like Biden presidency is inevitable in their eyes, well, they have demands. Mm, he knew that was going to come. <laughs> anyway, let's do uh, election updates, and then we'll get into all the stories of the day. First off, biggest update is Joe Biden is still not president-elect. That's right. He is not. Now, there's two ways he becomes president-elect. The states certify, and once they certify, then he's officially president-elect. And then on November, or I'm sorry, December 14th, the Electoral College meets, and they vote for the president. And if he wins, he's the president-elect. Uh, those two other two ways. The other way is when the opponent concedes. Uh, Donald Trump has not conceded. He has taken the advice of none other than Hillary Clinton and is not conceding this race as well. He shouldn't. There's too many questions. There's just way too many questions. So I, for one, uh, I want these questions answered. And if they don't go to Trump's favor, fine. Guess what? I've been saying this for a while and it's true today as it was yesterday. The left are the biggest winners here. If, if they allow Trump to go through this process to verify these elections and it turns out that Biden won great absolutely great that means votes weren't disenfranchised we should we should uh pursue every allegation of voter fraud uh small or large i mean you know if there is one vote that was disenfranchised we should pursue that now what trump the trump campaign is claiming is there were thousands upon thousands and it could sway the election so but if and if he's wrong Great. He's wrong. Biden becomes a president. And now at least we know. And the left will actually be the ones with more strength off that. I mean, if if Trump pushes it to the nth degree and it turns out Biden's the winner, then they have more. They actually might just achieve some sort of mandate because they can say, look, look what happened. Look. But they don't want to do that. Uh, they want to shut it down. You know, I, I shared with you yesterday how Biden said uh, back in one of the debates with Chris, the debate with Chris Wallace, that he wants every vote counted. He won't claim the winner until the election's certified. Blah, 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 lie, lie, lie. So that's first update number two, uh, update number one. Update number two, let's get to the House races. These are moving fast. We are down to only nine seats left to be called in the House. And here's where we're standing right now. The Republicans have 208 seats in the House and to the Democrats, 218. Now, if you listen to the show yesterday, they, the Republicans had 204 to the Democrats, 218. So the Republicans gained four more seats. And it's, it's possible, 
of those nine seats remaining, um, they could gain one, two, three, four, five, six more seats. That's right. 214. So the Republicans are going to come out of this at 212 to 214 seats in the House of Representatives. Now, yeah, I know 218 is a majority, but that means they could have a four to six only four to six seats that prevents the Republicans from having a majority, the slimmest majority for the Democrats in a long, long time. And again, as I mentioned, as, as legislation comes down, you're going to have a lot of Democrat seats that are vulnerable seats. In fact, all these Democrat seats just now that uh, are still up for grabs or that haven't been called, they're vulnerable seats. All those Democrat seats that were just called or that were called after the election are vulnerable seats because, you know, if it's a close to a 50-50 vote and the Democrats win, that means there's a lot of Republicans in their district. That means they could, if one one wrong move, lose their seat in two years. So here's where we're at. California 21, District 21, is uh, 91% of the vote in. And again, these percentages, by the way, are all iffy. Don't take those at face value. Uh, 91%, however, 51.4 uh, to 48.6 for the um, in favor of the Republicans. So chances are uh, it's a Republican seat. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, in District 25 in California, you got a 50-50 race leaning Republican. The Republicans are actually up in that race with 99% reported in 160 votes. So that's a squeaker, but the Republicans could win that. In California, District 39, the Republicans with 99% of that district in the Republicans leading 50.6 to the Democrats, 49.4. So the remaining three House seats in California, California, ladies and gentlemen, California are leaning red. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. No, I do mean to laugh. I think it's just actually, the irony is just too rich not to laugh. Uh, in Illinois, there's one seat still contested. It is leaning Democrat. Uh, Democrats are leaning, leading 50.5 to 49.5. This is District 14. If you're in District 14, I do have a lot of people from Illinois that listen to the show. 99.78% uh, in. So chances of that one flipping to Republican, uh, the odds are against it, but you never know. It's still out. And then in Iowa, District 2, it's 50-50 with a lean toward the Republicans by, by only 40 votes. So there's, and it states one, one report had 89% in, another report had 99% in. So I have no idea where Iowa too, but right now it's 50-50 leaning Republican, but again, by only 40 votes. New York District 18 is leaning Democrat. Democrats got 51% to the um, Republicans, 48 point something percent. Also in District uh, in New York, District 19, it's leaning Democrat, 50.5% uh, for the Democrats, 47.5% for the Republicans. So chances are, you know, Democrats are going to hold those two seats. Utah, yeah, Utah, District 4, uh, it's a squeaker. With 97% in, the Republicans are leading with 47.5% to the Democrats, 47%. This is Utah, must be a Mitt Romney stronghold of some sort. Uh, yeah, that was a joke, but was it really? Uh, and then in um, one last, oh, another one I missed in New York that I added to the list. District 3 is leaning Republican. This is a New York district. Uh, Republican currently has 50.5 to the Democrats, 49%. So right now, as it stands, uh, with uh, without these nine races called, the Republicans have 208 
seats in the House of Representatives. That's an increase of 11 so far. That's right. Remember how they told us the Democrats were going to uh, you know, add seats to the House of Representatives? Right now, you got about a dozen seats flipped to, Demo- to Republicans. Yeah, the pollsters got that one wrong, didn't they? Uh-huh. In fact, Fox News, I know they're taking a beating right now, called, um, called it early when they called Arizona that it looked like also the Democrats were going to gain some seats in the House. Didn't happen, and, the, and it looks like the Republicans are still going to gain one, two, three, four seats at least. So their 11 seats will turn into 15 seats, and then there's two more that are cl- too close to call 50-50, uh, it's a possibility that the Republicans are gaining, what is this, how many? 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 seats. 17 seats. And we're supposed to believe that uh, Biden won this election when there's no down ballot. That it, it just didn't happen. Now, it, over in the Senate, there's no change in the Senate. Right now, it is all on Georgia. North Carolina was called for Republicans. Alaska was finally called for the Republicans. It's all on Georgia. This, right now, the Republicans have a 50-seat hold in the Senate. They need one more to control the Senate. So here in this, the beautiful state of Georgia, we've got two seats that are going into a runoff. Now, uh, the possibility of both of those seats turning Democrat, honestly, uh, in, a, in a normal world, it's not very possible, but this isn't a normal world. Um, we have prominent Democrats. Uh, we have Hollywood Democrats stating they're all going to move to Georgia to sway the vote. And they're encouraging other people, if they can do so, move to Georgia to sway the vote. Because I think you have until, I forget what date, where you can register to vote here in Georgia and vote in the runoff election in um, January 5th, which is really completely underhanded but that's so much what the democrats are about that's what they do anyway so we all know that so we got the house uh tilting towards the republicans which is a beautiful thing now again i i'm going to keep mentioning this because i the the plan is to to completely completely shut out the democrat party to push them down into the dustbin of history and the way you do that is you got you you give them you let them keep a little bit of power no, and this is, I mean, again, this is just working out beautifully in the House. I mean, just be- I couldn't have asked for a better scenario. I mean, I, I wanted the Democrats to retain the House. And not only are they retaining the House, but the, the, the cherry on top is they're only retaining it by a, a less than a, a, or a single point, a single uh, digit lead. I mean, that's just, it's beyond my wildest expectations that the House would be this tight. Because here's what needs to, what's going to happen, and, and again, I'm I'm a I'm a broken record here. I've said this several times. The Democrats are going to go ape shit crazy. Um, now the the caveat here is the Republicans need to hold the Senate, but if the, and it looks like they will. But if the Republicans hold the Senate, it still isn't if I get it. Uh, the Democrats are going to be angry. They're just going to be angry. We're going to see them on full display, and it's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. Oh, you Democrats, you leftists, you know you're going to do this, too. You're already doing it. You're already showing what absolute nuts you are. Your squad, your squad, which is leading your caucus, I mean, they, they have the loudest voice, and you can't control them. 
<laughs> they get a lot of votes in their districts. You can't control them. They're going to keep be, they're going to keep being reelected and they're going to gain more and more power and they're going to get more and more crazy and the American people are going to see the Democrat party for who they really are. That's the thing about the new Democrats, the young Democrats, the squad if you will, is they they think what they think this socialism, communism, totalitarianism thing is good. They think it's good for the country, and they're not afraid to tell you. Now, the difference between them and the old Democrats, the old school Democrats, well, not the old school Democrats, because old school Democrats are actually moderates, but them and the party leaders that are in their 70s and 80s and have clinged to power for all these years and want the same thing the young ones do, is the older ones know that the American public has no appetite for socialism. They know that overall, Amer the American populace will reject them, and they have. I know, I know, it's really, it's really, really disheartening what's happening with the presidential election, right? I mean, uh, I'm going to get into what a Biden presidency is going to look like here in a little bit, but it, it's very disheartening. I get it. I get it completely. I mean, it's not where I wanted it to go. I wanted Trump second term, and there's still a slight chance he could. It's slim, it's slim no doubt. But it's time to realize that the Democrat Party is not winning here. They just are not winning. All right, let's talk about Trump's reelection bid right now uh, and what's going on with the lawsuits. And there are tons and tons and tons and tons of lawsuits going on. There's lawsuits that been filed in Michigan, but I, uh, it's not a whole lot we're going to be able to do with Michigan. I hate to break it to everybody. Um, Trump is down 146,000 votes in Michigan, and I've seen some reports where there's 40,000 vote irregularity. Uh, it's insurmountable, and I hate using that word. I'll probably get bashed for that word, but I just don't see it happening in Michigan. And I mean, unless, again, the um, I mentioned it on a, uh, yesterday, there's this story out there percolating on the glitches in the systems that switched everything, unless those things can be absolutely proven without a doubt. And that is a tall order, ladies and gentlemen. Please don't think it's not. It is a tall order. Election fraud is a tall order. And the people who perpetrate this on a massive scale, wide scale, large scale, they know. They know how to manipulate it to where it makes it nearly impossible to prove in court. What the Trump's best line of action right now is, is to go after the states where the majority is slimmer and invalidate certain votes. Like, for example, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Biden, as I checked it this morning, has a 53,000, a little over 53,000 lead against Trump. So there are these ballots that came in after Election Day where uh, the, this is that case that went to the Supreme Court when it was a 4-4 decision. Uh, the lower court, you know, the legislator or somebody, I can't remember which entity, anyway, in Pennsylvania, they fought to say that these votes should be counted three days after the election. And it went to court in the lower courts of Pennsylvania, basically said, yes, they can do, you know, these th these uh, the grace period is okay. Uh, because of the pandemic, they're allowing uh, votes that arrive after election day up to three days to be counted. So it went to court, then it went to the Supreme Court, and it was a 4-4 decision in the Supreme Court. So that means the lower court ruling stood, and that lower court ruling was, yes, we can count these votes. So now the Trump administration is filing some suits in Pennsylvania to push that again. And a Judge Justice Alito 
uh, has said set aside all of the votes that came in after Election Day because most likely that part's going to go to the Supreme Court. Now, here's the problem, and I've read it on several um, – I was trying to find how many votes were set aside, how many votes came in after Election Day. Would it matter? If Joe Biden is up 53,000, you'd have to have uh, probably about 100,000 votes come in after Election Day. And the most that I can find in any story was 10,000. So I'm not sure that there's enough votes there in Pennsylvania to overturn that. Without Pennsylvania, there is no win. Um, there just is no win. Even if they can turn Pennsylvania over. And, and, and by the way, somebody's going to call me on turning Pennsylvania over because it hasn't been called yet. You're right. You're absolutely right. Even if they can win Pennsylvania through these court challenges, uh, not only would they have to invalidate those votes that came in after, they'd have to invalidate some other votes. They'd have to find other irregularities, not outright fraud, but irregularities. Irregularities meaning there were signatures that were not verified. How many does it all add up? So this is why the Trump administration is throwing a lot at the table right now as far as um, um, lawsuits, because they know as well as you know, it's this is the election of a thousand cuts. It's not just one big thing that's going to happen. Like Florida in 2000 was it. In the election of 2000, it was all about Florida. Well, now you got Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Those are the states where you've got potential irregularities that can tip this to Trump's favor. A tall order. Wisconsin, by the way, uh, Biden is up 20,540 votes. Uh, I'm, you know, um, Arizona, 11,635 votes. Georgia, 14,085 votes. Again, Michigan's 146,000 votes. Tall orders here to over to do all these, but the Trump administration is doing just that. They're not going to let go. They're not going to acquiesce. They're going to fight it, and they should. There absolutely is no reason why they should not fight this. Uh, so here, you know, a couple of lawsuit issues or lawsuit stories uh, here from the Federalist. New lawsuit alleges Pennsylvania Democrats broke election law. In the latest of several lawsuits against Pennsylvania election officials, Republicans say Deputy Elections Secretary Jonathan Marks violated state code by notifying Democrat Party representatives of ballots that were rejected before the polls closed. In a process called curing ballots, official note which ballots are set to be rejected and reach out to the voter to allow him to cast a new provisional ballot. Election officials in Pennsylvania allegedly told Democrat operatives the names and contact information of voters whose ballots were rejected before the end of Election Day, which Republicans say violates state law. Again, the thousand cut analogy is they, the Trump administration has to get those ballots that came in after Election Day tossed out and they have to go after stuff like what I just mentioned. It's the only way, the only way that they're going to be able to turn uh, these states to favor Trump. So Pennsylvania's ground zero, but you know they're working on Michigan too and Arizona. Now the Arizona state attorney general has come out and said that he, do, he doesn't think the, the votes are going to go uh, in, coming in enough to give it to Trump. This is the, he's a Republican attorney general and has come out and stated that most likely Biden won. So you've got the Repub Republican attorney general saying, oh, you know, it looks like Biden's, you know, got it. Uh, there's no election fraud. You got Democrat attorney generals prior, like the one in Pennsylvania, prior to the election saying our state's going to go Biden. 
Yeah, leave it up to the Republicans to kind of be wishy-washy on this and not support the cause. But anyway, I digress. That's not a surprise to us, is it? Uh, and then in Michigan, Trump campaign files second lawsuit in Michigan over election. Following its failed attempt to stop the counting of ballots in Michigan last week, the re-election campaign for President Donald Trump on Wednesday filed a second lawsuit in the state seeking to prevent it from certifying election results until officials can ensure no unlawful ballots were cast in the election. Notice what they said there, that no unlawful ballots were cast in the election. They just And they want to stop the state from certifying. That's all. Just give it time. I agree with that. Now, I don't, I don't think Trump, without um, uncovering that glitch election fraud that we talked about yesterday, I don't think he can pull off Michigan. There's just too many votes. I hate to say it, you know, put, put some sticks in me, I, you know, whatever. But I, it's 146,000 Biden is a tall, tall order. Uh, the article goes on, the complaint filed in the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Michigan is part of a broader litigious, litigious uh, get that word out, never mind, litigation campaign by the president, who has yet to concede defeat in the general election to, dis to discredit its results that show Democrat challenger Joe Biden has won the presidency. That's right, it should. Uh, Trump and his team have sued several states and counties, citing voter fraud and tabulation irregularities despite a lack of evidence. So you see where the, this article is going. But there are a lot of irregularities. We should know. We should know. But here is some, um, some of the irregularities in the state of Michigan alone. And again, I, I call out Michigan as a tall order. It's a tall order. Eyewitnesses, here's the allegations. Eyewitnesses saw a batch of ballots. 60% had same signature. You know, uh, what do you do with that? I mean, it's an allegation. Eyewitnesses saw batches of ballots with 60% had same signature. So you'd have to push all of this. This is the kitchen sink approach the Trump administration is doing in Michigan, right? Eyewitness saw ballot match scan five times. Five times is not going to change much. Eyewitness saw 50 ballots fed many times into scanners. Okay. So, you know, how do you, how do you figure that one out? If the eyewitness, and eyewitness, it says eyewitness, by the way. Eyewitness say January 1, 1900 was recorded in poll book as d date of birth for many, not in book, so they could count ballots. Didn't say how many. Eyewitness saw 35 ballots counted, even though not connected to voter record. Eyewitness saw poll workers marking ballots with no mark for candidates. And by the way, if I didn't mention it, this is what the lawsuit is alleging, the Trump lawsuit is alleging. Eyewitness saw ballots counted with no signature postmark. Uh, voters said the Deceased son was recorded as voting twice. Eyewitness saw provisional ballots placed in tabulation box. Passengers drop off more ballots than people in car. Witness saw ballots received after election were being predated counted. Failed software that caused error in Antrim County used in Wayne County. That's the one I mentioned the other day where it was the glitch. They didn't update the software, so magically it took Trump voters to Biden voters. Uh, GOP challengers not readmitted, but Dems admitted. GOP challengers, challengers forced to stay away while Dems were not. GOP challengers physically pushed from county tables by officials. GOP challengers subjected to racial harassment. Dem challengers gave out packet tactics to distract GOP challengers. This is all allegations from witnesses. Election officials covered windows so challengers couldn't observe. Election officials cheered when GOP challenger rejected. GOP challengers challenges to suspect ballots ignore. Challengers bar from observing ballot duplication process. Platitudes. I hate platitudes, and all that was platitudes. And I hate to say it. I support this president, but all of that was platitudes. Now, I get what they're trying to do. What the Trump administration is trying to do is they're trying to 
show enough doubt to get a re recount. And they're hoping, and it is a hope, wishy-washy word, that that recount will equal to more than 146,123 votes going to Trump versus Biden. And I guess it would be 124. Uh, it's a tall order, ladies and gentlemen. It is an election of a thousand cuts. And, you know, it, it, it sometimes, you know, it's just a tall order. That's what this is. There's another lawsuit that claims 40,000 plus fraudulent ballot ballots pumped through Detroit for Joe Biden. 40,000 is not enough. At some point, you got to say, all right, this is like, eh. I, I, again, I agree that the Trump campaign, do not get me wrong, that the Trump campaign should do this. They should. Every vote, if there's one vote that was fraudulent, it should be sussed out. It absolutely should. Uh, and again, what they're doing, the Trump administration, is they're trying to prevent the state of Michigan from certifying the results. Because remember, as I said at the top of the show, certifying the results starts leading to president-elect. Once it's certified, you know, it goes to Electoral College next. And I don't think you're going to get um, a lot of votes in Electoral College that are going to defy what the state numbers are. It just It, it happens, but it, have to, it would have to happen on a wide scale. Uh, and I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here. We're hitting close to reality. Remember, reality is the Democrats lost bigly. They lost bigly. Uh, was there voter fraud? I believe there was voter fraud. Again, I've been saying this from the get-go. This is uh, the election of a thousand cuts. And how do you, how do you uh, overcome a thousand cuts of voter fraud? It's too much. This is the Democrats' tactic. They do this all the time. They do this in debate as they throw so much at you, and you're supposed to kind of counter everything that they throw at you. It's a, uh, it's a common tactic of the left. So let me go on. Let me finish up. Um, there's also a story here from uh, Patriot Daily Press. Uh, Trump campaign files lawsuit on Pennsylvania election result. Does it have a case? The Trump campaign has filed a lengthy complaint in federal court challenging Pennsylvania's administration of the 2020 presidential election as a violation of the Constitution's Equal Protection Clause. This is the theory under which 20 years ago, the Supreme Court invalidated Florida's presidential election vote counting procedures in Bush v. Gore. The main target of the suit is the 682,479 mail-in and absentee ballots submitted from the Democratic strongholds of Philadelphia and uh, Allegheny counties. I'm not sure if I said that right. Uh, the latter includes Pittsburgh. According to current reported returns, presumptive presidential elect uh, Biden defeated President Trump in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania by about 46,000 votes. So there's an 86-page complaint to file. So you, their uh, National Review uh, wrote this story originally, which is a little more of a credible uh, outlet than uh, Patriot Daily Press. They're just delivering this information from the National Review. So does he have a case? It's hard to say at this point in time. Now, again, now we're in Pennsylvania. <clears throat> I agree that those votes that came in after the election shouldn't be counted. But if they only equate to 10,000, it's not going to help. And it, but, I, you know, the number was so hard to find. It was just so hard. In Pennsylvania, uh, now the article I just read said 46,000 votes, but it's actually 53,219 last I checked. Now, Trump here has a better case in Pennsylvania. If you can get the, you know, those, that 10,000 number I called out as far as the votes coming in after election – there's a reason why you can't find that information readily. Either the state of Pennsylvania doesn't know yet or they're not reporting it yet. But you're at 40, 53,000 votes in Pennsylvania. 
this one, if, if Trump can suss out Pennsylvania and turn Pennsylvania to Trump, to positive Trump, uh, then he's got more of a chance. But again, you know, thousand cuts. So he would have to get Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona. If he doesn't get Arizona, he loses. There is no path to victory without Arizona at this point, unless somehow magically Nevada, and Nevada's off the picture now. Nevada, nobody talks about Nevada. The numbers have gone to Biden. So right now, Trump's path to victory is he has to get Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, and Arizona. And Arizona, we got 11,635 votes. And there are not too many left. He'd have to get about 60% of what's left out there. It's doable, but even the attorney general of the state, who is a Republican, came out and said it's not probable. So if Trump can magically turn Pennsylvania to his favor and keep Georgia, he's at 268 electoral votes to Biden's 270. Then you go back to Michigan, which is a tall order. I mean, Michigan is just a tall order. Uh, he can, if he wins, turns that, he wins. Wisconsin. Wisconsin, there's only 20,540 vote difference. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer on this, but as each day goes by, it gets harder and harder and harder. But, but that's what the media wants you to think. But E, you just, you just totally reversed that. You just totally, you said, wait a minute, you're saying that it's a tall order. You're saying all this. I go, yeah. And the media wants you to continue to think that. The media wants you to give up. I don't want the Trump administration to give up. They're not going to give up. This is not that kind of administration. Don't get me wrong. But mentally, this is draining. I mean, agree? I mean, I, we all are going through this. I keep going back to the House race. I think it's just phenomenal what the GOP pulled out in the House. I know they didn't get a win, but my God, they got so close. And then if they keep the Senate, that's that's like paramount right now. But here's a, a piece from PJ Media. Now we know why the New York Times said the media declared the election winner. So uh, if anything has come clear in this strange year, it is that the left is not stupid. It's evil. This is their reporting, but I agree with it. And so when the New York Times tweeted that it was the media's job to declare the winner of the presidential election, people laughed at the ignorance of the miseducated millennials who run the propaganda leader's Facebook page. But instead of laughing, they should have been asked themselves what the Times agenda was in publishing such a patently false statement. Now the answer is clear. The Times, along with the rest of the established media, is doing everything it can to establish the inevitability of the Biden-Harris presidency before the president's court challenges reach the Supreme Court, so as to make the court as hesitant to buck the prevailing winds as it is when it approves of Obamacare. So what the media is doing, and they, they're helping the Biden campaign do this as well, is they're sowing so many seeds of doubt to get you thinking right now that Biden is the president-elect, and he is not. He is not the president-elect. If Trump came out today and conceded this race, Biden would be the president-elect. Trump has not. If all of the states certified the results and they were to Biden, it all added up, Biden would be the president-elect. They have not. He is not. But the media wants you to believe that he has been anointed as the president-elect because at the end of this article, by the time all of this gets to the Supreme Court, everyone, including the nine for now justices, uh, will be so used to the idea of President-elect Biden that it will look like the worst sort of judicial activism 
the thing that Trump and his supporters are supposed to be against, to overturn the victory of the candidate the media insists he has won. And if the Supreme Court goes ahead anyway and finds that there was significant voter fraud and that Trump actually did win the election, Antifa and Black Lives Matters are poised to burn down more cities while the Times and its colleagues insist that the Republicans have stolen the election in the courts. Uh, the article goes on, it is diabolically clever plan. It, it's, it's a diabolically clever plan, yet one principal, principal obstacle that the Times and the rest of the establishment media face today in trying to get away with it is that the 2020 election has been the red pill of all red pills. Millions of Americans are now onto them. They won't find it so easy to fool the public as it has been for them in the past. And it's absolutely right. The media is using you and they're trying to manipulate you and they're, they're planting all the seeds of doubt. So now all of a sudden people are going to go, wow, uh, maybe he did win. I'm tired of this. I want it to be over. So I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to accept it. And there are millions and millions of people that are starting to do that. They're starting to sway that way. It is a tall order in Michigan. There's no doubt. But it doesn't mean you don't fight for every vote. And let's say of those 146,123 votes for Biden, 46,000 were bad that need to be tossed out. Good. I don't care. Uh, we need to suss it out because they cannot and should not get away with this. Uh, Wisconsin's only 20,000 vote difference. I, when you're that close in a presidential election, I'm sorry. You should suss that out. Arizona, same thing. Georgia, hey, we're going to do a hand count here in Georgia, by the way. Uh, and California, um, I'm sorry, um, Pennsylvania. I mean, look at all these irregularities out here, ladies and gentlemen. Don't let the media allow you to be mentally fatigued that you just want it over with. We have until December 14th. Think about that. That's when the Electoral College meets. We have until December 14th to suss all of this out. Let the Trump administration take care of it, and they will. Rudy Giuliani is a bulldog. He won't back down. There's nothing going to back down Rudy Giuliani. Jay Sekulow, another one of Trump's attorneys, he's, he's a bulldog too. He's not going to back down. Trump, Trump is the bulldog of all bulldogs. He's not going to back down. The media, though, is going to wear you out. They're going to push and push and push and push and push. In fact, here is from Reuters. And I mean, this is so disingenuous. And this is how the media lies. And this is an absolute lie. Uh, in an article from Reuters, Biden says nothing will stop transition as Trump vows new legal action. Mm, so that's per, pro Biden. But in the article, uh, legal experts have said Trump's litigation has little chance of changing the outcome. And state officials have said there were no significant irregularities in the November 3rd election. Mm -hmm. That's platitudes. But here's the one that caught me. This is, the, this is the lie that the media does in this article from Reuters. Meanwhile, Trump supporters faced a possible setback in Pennsylvania. A witness who had raised accusations of ballot tampering recanted his allegations, according to Democrats in Congress who were briefed on the investigation. What are they talking about? That's it. That's all they said in the article. The next paragraph is Trump's accusation of fraud did not appear to gain traction with the public. Nearly 80% of Americans, including more than half of Republicans, recognize Biden as a winner, according to a Reuters uh, IPSOS poll. See what they're doing here? Exactly what the PJ Media article said that they were doing is, let me read the paragraph again about the recanting. Meanwhile, Trump supporters faced a possible setback in Pennsylvania. See the word possible? 
There you go, possible setback. Uh, a witness who had raised accusation of ballot tampering recanted his allegations, according to Democrats in Congress. Okay, now what, what are they alleging? What are they alluding to? They don't say who it was, but what we do know is that whistleblower from the United States Postal Service that I mentioned yesterday, uh, he, was, he, he, under, he signed an affidavit that he witnessed the Postal Service employee supervisor chastising an employee for not uh, post-dating ballots November 3rd when they, uh, because he mistakenly post-dated one November 4th. And the media said he, under oath, recanted his story. Is that what they're alleging? Because they don't say it. They are alluding to. They don't say it. They say that basically that a witness who had raised accusations of ballot tampering recanted his allegations. You see how they plant those seeds in people's minds? They don't tell you anything about what allegations they're talking about, who they're talking about. They just say that he's recanted. If they're mentioning that U.S. Postal Service whistleblower, he didn't recant. He actually is out on video, out on record saying, I didn't recant. And he asked, the, the, I think it was the Washington Post that did the story, that they need to recant. Do you see the media manipulate you? It is a tall order, an election like this especially, to, to turn these results around. But it's a tall order that must be examined. We need to go, the, the Trump administration needs to do as much as they can so I guess what I'm trying to say is don't let the media manipulate you and don't lose doubt in the Trump administration. They need us now more than any time before to support them mentally, emotionally, uh, financially, if you can, uh, because this, the media is helping the Democrats win this election and they are using psych op processes and campaigns like I just explained to you. I mean, this is so blatantly obvious. Now, I caught it, but how many people wouldn't? How many people would just read this and go, oh, really? So a witness who raised accusations of ballot recanted those accusations. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to see people to go to their workplace and say, oh, did you hear about that guy who recanted his allegations? It's all over the place that he recanted his allegations, except he didn't. It's a lie. It's a media lie. All right, enough of the, um, that's your election updates. I know it's kind of went long-winded because there's so much about this that is just not right, and we need to be vigilant. But we need to also understand uh, this is a tall order, and we need to stay strong. We need to stay strong, keep our resolve high, and support this president in his efforts to overturn, in my opinion, this obvious fraud. I, I, I mean, I, I'm praying that he can do it. I'm praying that he can do it. Uh, let's go to what Biden, mm. you know, Biden, uh, if a Biden administration comes to play, uh, here's an article from NPR, Biden will face major limits to his ambitious climate plans. Uh, in his campaign for president, Joe Biden proposed the most aggressive plan to tackle climate change of any major party nominee and made climate justice part of his closing argument. But his goal of making the U.S. carbon neutral by 2050 relies on major action from a Democrat-controlled Congress by a slim majority, uh, which does not appear likely, meaning the Senate, or is at least not certain, again, meaning the Senate, pending the outcome of two runoff Senate races in Georgia in January, like I said, the Senate. It won't be as ambitious, no two ways about it, said Gene Karpinski, president of the League of Conservation Voters. Sorry, president of the League of Conservation Voters. It won't be as ambitious. 
No two ways. No, it won't because he won't be able to. Uh, but here's what he wants to do. Reverse Trump rollbacks. The change at the top could not be more dramatic given that President Trump has repeatedly questioned climate science, as a lot of people have, and rollback dozens of Obama-era climate rules as he aims to boost fossil fuel production. A Biden administration could move to reverse much of that. You hear that? So a Biden administration, we, for the first time, and I don't know how long, decades, generations, are energy independent, meaning that we don't rely, we don't have to buy our oil from any other country to fuel the need, the, what, our, what the consumption is in our nation. We actually sell oil now, more oil than other nations do, they were oil nations, to other nations. And we still have plenty for ourselves. You think that's going to stay under a Biden? This happened, by the way, under Trump. This is one of his major accomplishments. We became energy dependent. We, didn't, we don't need any other nation in the world for our energy. Do you imagine, could, could, do, you, do you understand how important that is for any nation to be energy independent? Because if some calamity would happen worldwide, we wouldn't have to worry about. In World War II, Japan, one of the reasons Japan lost, and there, there's other reasons, but one of them is they, they did not have the resources to continue. One major resource was rubber. And the United States cut off their rubber supply. And it made it harder and harder for them to manufacture the planes and all the other apparatuses they needed to fight a war. One resource, rubber, was one of those things that prevented the Japanese from being more efficient. And oil, they are not oil. They had to get their oil from elsewhere. So being energy independent is huge. Absolutely huge. Uh, reassessing U.S. global leadership is another one. Biden may have more immediately sway. Uh, Biden may have more immediate sway using foreign policy to push the climate action. He has already vowed to rejoin the landmark Paris Climate Agreement as soon as he takes office. This was a bad deal for America. Trump rightfully so pulled out of the climate accord, and now you're going to have Biden go right back into it. Right back into it. His climate change processes will be a catastrophe to the United States. Uh, they will reverse us being energy independent. They will put us into the climate Paris agreement or the Paris Accord. And, and that means that we will have to, uh, and we will be the only, we are the only nations that really do this. We'll have to abide by these rules to cut our emissions by certain time frames, And that means we'll have to cut industries right out from under, cut them off at the knees, energy industries. When, other nations, they won't have to. The United States had to give more and get less because, you know, the United States is always the worst. Uh, let's move on. Joe Biden's pandemic plan, restore Obamacare, mandatory mask, paid sick, sick, paid sick leave, and free COVID-19 tests. Uh, this is another disingenuous article. Free COVID-19 COVID tests are free now. But all of a sudden now, Biden's going to bring you free COVID-19 tests. The media is going to allow you to think that. Or they're going to make you, they're going to want you to think that. They're free now. But that doesn't matter with the Democrats. But restore Obamacare. Yeah, we all loved Obamacare, didn't we? Mm -hmm. And mandatory, mandatory mask. We've already been hearing that buzz. He won't be able to do it, by the way. I mean, he just won't be able to do it. Uh, he's going to have to get the state governors to agree to mask, mandatory masks. And... There are 27 states now that are Republican-led. He won't be able to do it. There is no federal law that he can pass for mass, mandating masks. It won't, pass, it won't pass the Senate. And it would go to the Supreme Court, and it won't pass the Supreme Court. 
It's all nothing more than empty platitudes for those who are so fearful of the 0.000065% death rate in this country that they're wearing masks alone in their car with the windows up. And by the way, their COVID-19 tests are free, but here's where you may have to pay. This is from an article because this is what you're going to hear. Uh, Joe Biden wants free COVID-19 tests, but they're already free. No, they're not free. No, they are free. No, here's how come they're not free. For those hospitalized with COVID-19, the focus is getting unhealthy and alive, but once discharged, there's a potential for huge medical costs. Well, wait a minute, but that has nothing to do with the, 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 the test. So what they're saying, what they're trying to say is, yes, oh, yes, the, the tests are free. But if you come back positive, it's going to cost money. Well, what's that have to do with the free tests? The tests are free. You know, this is one of the reasons why our, our um, infection rate is so high in America, because the tests are free and more people are taking the tests. It's called logic. Please, please, people, use it. Please, please. Uh, and then, you know, Biden's uh, COVID-19 advisor. Did you know there are COVID-19 advisors out there? Yep, yep, Biden has one. Biden COVID-19 advisor urges four to six week nationwide lockdown. Yeah, yeah. So you can look forward to a Biden presidency of wanting to force masks on your face because, you know, science, science and all. Mask on your face and another four to six week lockdown. Well, you know, some people are like, woo, woohoo, I get to go back home for a month and a half. Woohoo. But it won't work. It didn't work before. What makes anyone think, you know, here, here's the lockdown nonsense, right? The lockdown nonsense. All right, four to six week lockdowns nationwide. Uh, how does the federal government do that, by the way? Uh, you got to pass a law. But four to six week lockdown nationwide, except for essential workers. What? Wait, what? That means they're going to be out. That means they're going to spread the virus. They're going to go home. They're going to go to work. They're going to come home. Wait a minute. What about the grocery stores? Remember the lockdown before? The grocery stores were open. And don't forget, the liquor stores were open. And by golly, they better stay open. <laughs> so, so how are you going to do that? What do they think is going to happen? People are still going to go out. Are you really going to force everyone in America, 330 million plus people, to stay in their house? Are you crazy? You think that's going to work? It's more BS platitudes from the left. So, what, because the vaccine that's coming, by the way, woohoo, I'm not even going to get into that, but they're going to force that down your throat. Literally, you're probably going to have to take the vaccine whether you want to or not. That's what they're going to try to do. But none of this will come to fruition. All they're doing right now is just telling the people what they want to hear, but they're giving us, those of us who are in the know, those of us who see it, they're giving us insight of what they're going to do and how they're going to govern. And it's just amazing amazing that they actually actually uh, have support there are millions and millions of people who think everybody should wear a mask um, and that they work you know sure they work into a point there are millions and millions of people who think we should have a lockdown and there are millions and millions and millions of people who have no idea that the death rate for this virus is point zero 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 six five one not even a tenth of a percent and we want to biden's gonna lock us down and you know what he's gonna do he's gonna give you money oh people are gonna like that he's gonna give some more stimulus packages it'll, it'll now come through but the senate may be the problem because he doesn't have the senate everything that he's talking about is all nonsense because if he doesn't have the senate 
none of this happens. Do you really think Republican governors are going to take pressure from Joe Biden to, ch to, to have a mask mandate? No. Here's another one. This is from Trending Politics. Biden plans to create an army of 100,000 culturally competent contract tracers. Yeah. So if, as if lockdowns enforced mask mandates aren't enough, there's another chilling detail of the hellish authoritarian state that Joe Biden, Kamala Harris will preside over if he is installed into the White House. Get ready for the creation of an army of political office enforcers who will be imbued with the power of the federal government to act as contact tracers to keep tabs on Americans under the pretense of fighting COVID. They're going to continue to use COVID to suppress you. The Democrats are. And why shouldn't they? It worked. That's how they got, I mean, it worked with the election. If it wasn't for COVID, we wouldn't be having this conversation about Biden, president-elect this, president-elect that. If it weren't for COVID, it'd be all over. Because COVID is what it's, the, the Democrats' gift. It is a gift to them, but they can, they can suppress you. They can use COVID as like, well, you want people to die? You want your Aunt May to die? Ugh. Makes me sick. Makes me sick. I'm not even going to get into what the Biden administration um, would do with uh, uh, foreign policy. Maybe another show. This, um, I'm, let's move this one on. And I have one last segment I want to go over. Um, so the the Democrats. You see, the law of unintended, the law of unintended uh, consequences for Democrats are just astounding. They never understand the outcome, their, what their actions do, the, the, the eventual outcomes. Or, you know, I'll give you a story. Back in San Francisco many, many years ago, I used to live in the Bay Area. They had a problem with, and this is decades ago, they had a problem with the homeless urinating and defecating on the street. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it does, because they still have that problem. So that, this, again, decades ago, this was their solution. Their solution was city council. Hey, we got a problem. Or actually, you know, a businesses to the city council. Hey, we got a problem. These homeless people are defecating, urinating in front of our stores. Can you do something about it? What do you want us to do about it? They're, they're people. They're people. You know, I know, but they're hurting our business. Can you help us out? Can you do something? Because people not wanting to step in shit to come into our store. They're refusing to go out because, you know, they gotta, nobody wants to step in shit. They're human beings. For God's sakes, God, have you no humanity. Okay, can we do something about it? Any ideas? I got an idea, a, con a council member says. What is it, council member batshit crazy? Ah, uh, let's do this. Let's put porta-potties throughout the city. Porta-potties throughout the city? Well, that's a smashing idea, but this is San Francisco, so they got to be pretty, pretty, pretty porta-potties. I like that idea, pretty, pretty porta-potties. What, what, what do you mean by pretty? Well, how about this? You know those old-fashioned phone booths in England? Yeah, those look pretty cool. Why don't we make them look like that? And we'll paint them hunter green so they kind of blend in with the environment. Green's environmental, right? Yeah, that's perfect. I love this idea. Here's a blank check. Go, go buy these porta potties. Put them everywhere on every corner. A porta potty for all. They'll be no longer stepping in shit to come into your store, sir, because we've solved the problem. We're going to put porta potties throughout the community. Ah, that's great. Porta potties. How much does it cost? Doesn't matter. Shut up. Sit down. Okay. Porta potties go up, and guess what happens? Well, I think you know the story. The homeless people continue to defecate and urinate elsewhere because they don't care about porta potties. And now prostitutes and drug dealers and addicts are using the porta potties for their profession and their practices. Long story short, porta potties went away because Democrats never understand the law of unintended consequences. Black Lives Matter is moving forward to it. 
So Black Lives Matters, the Democrats using them to uh, riot, loot, uh, basically scare the crap out of everybody, and basically to, to shut everybody down. You remember there's a video out there of BLM. This is after the election, walking through a city street where there's a bunch of cafes, sidewalk cafes, and I think Ann Arbor, Michigan, or somewhere in Michigan, you know, with their fist up, doing their no justice, no whatever it is. And the patrons, which were mostly white, put their hands up in the air in solidarity, Black Lives Matter, because they're scared. So now here's Black Lives Matter. They sent a letter to the Democrats, or to Joe Biden, dated November 7, 2020. To the Honorable Joseph Biden and the Honorable Kamala Harris. Okay, I know, I know. I could go on about that, but I won't. Uh, via electronic mail only. Uh, dear President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, congratulations on your election to the presidency and vice presidency of the United States. Like so many, we are relieved that the Trump era government is coming to a close. As we celebrate his electoral demise, we also know that his political exit does not ensure an end to the intolerable conditions faced by the black people in America. A well-thought-out, community-driven, fully-resourced agenda that addresses the particular challenges facing the black people must be a top priority. We are requesting a meeting with you both to discuss the expectations that we have for your administration and the commitments that must be made to black people. Without the resounding support of black people, we would be saddled with a very different electoral outcome. In short, black people won this election. Alongside black-led organizations around the nation, Black Lives Matters invested heavily in this election. Vote and organize became our motto, and our electoral justice efforts reached more than 60 million voters. We want something for our vote. Yeah, you hear that? That la this is the second paragraph. There's more. But they, the last sentence in that paragraph, we want something for our vote. Forget the fact that Trump got more of the black vote this time than he did last time. Actually, forget the fact that Trump got more minority votes than probably any other Republican president in history. But it goes on. Well, I shouldn't say that. Well, you know, back in the 1800s, blacks overwhelmingly voted Republican. So let's, let's say modern history. But it goes on. We want to be heard and our agenda to be prioritized. We issue these expectations, not just because black people are the most consistent and reliable voters for Democrats, but also because black people are truly living in crisis in a nation that was built on our subjugation. Up until this point, the United States has refused to directly reckon with the way that it devalues black people and devastates our lives. This cannot continue. Black people can neither afford to live through the vitriol of a Trump-like presidency nor through the indifference of a Democrat-controlled government that refuses to wrestle with its most egregious and damnable shame. Did Keith Oberman write this? But anyway, I digress. Next paragraph. President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris, both of you discussed addressing systemic racism as central to your election campaign. Both of you also expressed regrets regarding your record on issues impacting black people. The best way to ensure that you remedy past missteps and work towards a more just future for black people and by extension all people 
is to take your direction from black grassroots organizers that have been engaged in this work for decades with a legacy that spans back to the first arrival of enslaved Africans. We look forward to meeting with you at your convenience to begin the immediate work of black liberation. We would like to be actively engaged in your transition team's planning and policy work. Again, congratulations on your win. Uh, let's get to work. Most sincerely, Patrice Coulars on behalf of the Black Lives Matter Global Network. There you have it. They want their piece of the pie. As they said, we want something for our vote. Oh, it's not extortion when they do it. I mean, come on. You know, they went out there and they destroyed cities for the Democrats. Of course, now the Democrats are starting to say, wait a minute, uh, we got to rebuild these cities. That Yes, uh, these riots did kind of tear down. So, yeah, all right, you go, Black Lives Matter. You go. You've got any, if Biden can pull it off and, you know, uh, as each day goes by, the media has us thinking more and more looks like he will. You, you know, well, if they don't, though, if the Biden administration doesn't acquiesce to your your uh, demands. What happens? Oh, you're going to riot, aren't you? That's right, because that's what you've been doing. So it's not, again, it's extortion. It's like the mafia comes in. Hey, it's a nice story you got here. You guys heard the story, right? Mafia comes in. Hey, it's a nice, you know, this is what was, this was mafia fraud, uh, you know, when it came to trash collecting. This is kind of the, the best analogy. Hey, you know, uh, we want you to sign over with this trash company. No, it's twice as expensive as the one we we're using. We can't afford that. Oh, it's a nice story you got here. Be shamed if something happened to it. Shamed if it burned down, isn't it? Well, that's what Black Lives Matter is doing. They are using mafia tactics against the Democrats. So congratulations, Democrats. This is what you have brought us. Nice work. Thank you for listening to this segment of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. It is casual day here. So put on a ball cap, a T-shirt, go outside, beautiful weather. Even if it's raining, you're not going to melt. I guarantee it because you're a Republican or you're a conservative, a libertarian, and they don't melt. That would be the snowflake leftist. They melt. If it's raining outside and you're a leftist, don't go. Don't go outside because you'll melt. And again, thank you for listening to us. Please do check us out on our website, thepbopodcast.com. All of our social media links are there. I'm very active on Twitter. We'd love to see you there and interact with me, but also on Parler. You know, a lot of people are leaving Twitter for Parler, and I've been a lot more active on Parler lately, as well as Facebook. Please go to our Facebook page and like it. It is facebook.com slash thepblpodcast. And you can also find my page, my E. Vandervliet page on Facebook as well, under E. Vandervliet. And, of course, visit our YouTube channel and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Help us move up in those algorithms. And if you're listening to us on Apple iTunes, uh, please follow and subscribe us on there and give us a five-star rating. Again, it'll move us up in the algorithms, and that's how you can help the show. If you want to help the show out financially, you can do that too. Go to patreon.com slash the PBL podcast. It's in uh, my links on my website, the, uh, the PBL podcast.com. And you can buy a membership anywhere from a dollar a month to $10,000 a month. If you buy a $10,000 a month uh, membership, me love you a long time. Me love you a long time. Woody and I both say thank you very much for your listenership. We appreciate you like you just will never know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. PBL podcast politics and brown liquor.